morning. It's 970 WAMD Aberdeen, and this is the Hartford Edge, keeping you on the cutting edge of what's new in Hartford County and beyond. I'm co-host Leslie Greenlee-Smith from the Hartford County Public Library, and I'm here with Bob Mumby. The Hartford Edge is brought to you each week by your Hartford County Public Library. Today, we'll be speaking with award-winning author and newspaper reporter Bruce E. Malday. Good morning, Bob Mumby. Good morning, Leslie. Malday. Yeah. Well, I know how it feels, Bruce, because I have a, a very unique name, too. Mr. Mumby. Uh, yes, and I would like to uh, say, I'm not going to say shout-out because I don't like that phrase. Uh, it, you anno- don't. it annoys me. Give a really? shout-out, too. Yes, it's hackneyed. It's overused. <laughs> you it's like, crack me up. I've, I delete... <laughs> no, I can't say what I did, but I hate when people... End a post with holla. <laughs> like if there, I, I run the music group Live Music in Hartford County, and everyone should join because it's free and it's you can use it to post your live music gigs, and it's really a great community. We're up to three thousand people, but someone had a gig, and they posted it, and then at the end they said holla. I felt like deleting it. I don't know why. That's very reactionary. You're just jumping into your gripes right away <laughs> yes. today, aren't you? <laughs> holla? Or is it holla? Is it a question mark? Or is, is it, it a, a command? Yeah. Or is it, a, is it, you know, and what is holla? Do you just yell wherever you are? I can't hear you. So how do I know whether you've, you've honored my request? <laughs> More research needs to be done on this yes. very hot topic. But next time, and you know who you are, I'm going to delete it. If you <laughs> use the word holla. <laughs> uh, oh, is that your only no, upsetting thing today? I my saw other you taking furious thing. notes when you walked in today. Yes, because I, I think of them on the way in. I often <laughs> observe them on the way in. Okay, so you go, you go into a store. And there's one of the store employees, or just someone, having a cigarette right at the door. <laughs> I, know, I hate that, too. So you walk by them. They're blowing out a big nimbus of cancer-causing smoke. And you open the door, and the smoke enters with you because of the, sure. the pre- pressure of differential. Right, right. So you're really not leaving the building to smoke. We're joining you in that smoke. <laughs> Whether we want to or right. not. But, you know, and there's something about, I know I shouldn't, but there's something really a little pathetic about, it's like 20 degrees out, someone's out there crunched, huddled. I know. They ha- Let me go out into the freezing elements and put tar and nicotine <laughs> in my lungs. I'll be back in seven minutes. <laughs> I know. I know. I shouldn't make fun. You should not. You're not making fun. You're just I'm making not. a But the other observation. thing, you know, shopping centers like the festival mm-hmm. where all of the thoroughfares in front of the stores are, there's two lanes. Sure. There's no shoulder. There's no, and there's no parking. Right. Is that where you're going? Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, someone... Went into a game store, and so people can't pull into the spots yep. because they can't do that wide turn into the spot. Mm-hmm. They're parked in the street. They are. They're parked in the mm-hmm. street. Mm-hmm. It's dangerous. It's inconsiderate. 
Um, it's lazy. Mm-hmm. Um, why? I why? don't understand. And what it does is it prevents people who maybe do need a little extra help getting across the parking lot, getting up the curb. It impedes them, like the elderly and people who just had surgery. It happened to me the other day. I was actually right next to that game shop at Coffee Coffee. Visiting with our friend Hillary Tayson, who's a great supporter of the library. Mm -hmm. Um, And a uh, Hartford Award Yes, winner. Yes, yes, yes. That's right. Um, Don't forget Betsy. And there was a little, you know, someone pulled right up and parked... And then no one could get through because the space is for two lanes of traffic, right. not for two lanes of traffic and parking. Right. And it's dangerous because I saw once a, a guy was leaving leaving the liquor store with his daughter. Um, probably went in there to buy a six-pack of beer, whatever. His daughter was probably about seven or six. So they're crossing that street that the in front of that car mm-hmm. that is parked in the street and they're looking to the right because that's where the traffic's coming sure. from in the open lane sure and someone was behind the lazy around. one and went mm-hmm. around, sped around them and mm-hmm. they the girl was looking the other way right it was a close call right right people need to be conscious of that and of what their actions, and how need, it impedes. Yeah. And they need to care. Yeah. Some people just, oh, I don't care. Yeah. I'm not going to walk an extra 10 steps. And there were plenty of open spots. All they had to do was pull in. And someone was sitting in the passenger seat. Oh, my gosh. That is even worse. It happens a lot at the grocery store. Yes. A lot. Yes. Um, but even with the grocery store, there is that shoulder, mm-hmm. usually, right? Mm-hmm. Like, in the festival, like at the shop, right? Where in the you can get, pick up your groceries. Yeah. yeah. Pack your groceries up. But that's what it's for. It's not to sit there right. and wait while somebody runs in and gets a last minute something. Yeah. Okay. Feel a tiny bit better. Good. It's good therapy for you, isn't it? This radio yeah, show. It's, it's, <laughs> it makes a dent. <laughs> that's true. Before it, it starts building up again. I'm like the... Conlingo Dam. <laughs> good rain washes the settlement, but then it starts right. settling right away. This is our public service for Hartford County. Yeah, yeah. and by the way, little. folks, <laughs> if you have, just don't put rocks down. Plant if you have a stream in your neighborhood or something that flows to a stream. Make sure it's not exposed soil, that red clay soil, because it's all going to end up in the bay. And we're not going to have crabs, and the ducks are going to have nowhere to find their um, their meals, and etc. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Okay. Sorry, You're... everyone. <laughs> I'm now gonna we're sh- going to trivia, which is uh, something that we'll we'll have fun with. Yes, then we will. Then I want to talk about something. All right. Okay. All right. Here we go with our trivia. You ready? Yes. All right. Which soccer star ended his career by playing a half for each team in an exhibition match? Pele. Yes. Is he the only soccer team player you know, or you knew that answer for sure? Uh, he's not the only one I know, but I just figured it had to be him. If, it was, <laughs> if you're hunting for trivia, it's not going to be like Ronaldo or 
Lionel right. Messi or... <laughs> I'm impressed you're just throwing these names out. Soccer can be fun. I, I, oh, yeah. I played soccer for many years and, and when I was oh, younger, really? I loved it. Mm -hmm. You were... Um, you, were you... Um, AYSO soccer. Were you uh, on the attack? Yes. You, okay. Yes. No goalie or anything like that for me. Okay. Okay, the first two seasons of Thomas the Tank Engine were narrated by which Ringo Beetle? Good job. I've probably seen every episode of that. I was going to say, was that a favorite of that your was kids? That right door in Jack and Grace's <laughs> TV watching careers. It's a uh, classic. It's oh, such it a great George show. Was so oh, good. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as with more parents, I was guilty of occasionally, if I had work to do, parking them in front of the videos. <laughs> well, Thomas the Tank Engine is a good one. There are lots of good stories yes. and lessons to be learned. Yes. All right. Who did William Shakespeare marry when he was just 18? Um, Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly enough, this person, there's mm. an actress whose name is this name. An actress in our time. Yeah. In The Devil Wears Prada. She was in... Yes. Oh, um... Uh, Anne Hathaway. That's correct. All good right. segue. We didn't even plan that, folks. No, and well, that was a good clue. Because I couldn't think of it. I knew it was Anne, but... That was an excellent clue. All right. What musician played Cinna in the Hunger Games film series? Did you watch the Hunger Games? No. Oh, it was so good. I love that I don't series. Get it? I don't get it. So it was a Have, musician? Yes, a musician. Male or female? Male. Really good looking. Very talented. Um, really good looking. <laughs> um, not um, Backstreet Boys. No, 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 no. Good looking in a different way. Smoldering good looking. I have, um... Last name starts with a K. Um, I have no clue. I may not have even heard of this person. Yes, you have heard of this person. What's the first name start with? L. Luke? <laughs> no. Lenny Kravitz? Yes! Okay. See? <clears throat> we'll get there eventually, folks. <laughs> you know, um, what's his name dated him? What's her name dated him? Oh, Jesus, I forget everything. She was in Big Little Lies. Um, Nicole Kidman. Oh, that's right. Oh, my gosh. I totally forgot about that. That's right. And in Big Little Lies, his daughter was also in that, Zoe Kravitz. Okay. Did not know that either. I love how you add to trivia, Bob. Well, I in The Hunger Games, I know it's that one I like. Um... She's really not glamorous, but Kristen Stewart, is that her? Or no. is that the vampire one? That's the vampire one. Is Hunger Games the other one that falls downstairs? And yes, is very Jennifer Lawrence. Yes. Yes. I like her. Yeah. She just got married in Rhode Island last weekend. Okay. Two weekends ago. Yeah, I like her because she's not annoying. True. You know who I hate? Hate. Hate, hate, hate. Who? Hate. Julia Roberts. Really? She's I have another so friend who annoying. does not like her. She is so annoying. What annoys you? It's just she's... Just something about her. Yeah. She, I, and I don't think she's any good. <laughs> I always came first, hating her or not thinking she was any good. Oh, my gosh. 
But you do like uh, Anne Hathaway. And yeah. you do like Jennifer Lawrence. Yes. All right. What is the most abundant chemical element in the universe? Hydrogen. Correct. I don't know. That was more <laughs> I don't know. than anything. Which marine animal is the only known natural predator of the great white shark? Um, oh, the orca. Yes. You have got to go on Jeopardy. Um, have you ever seen Jaws? When was the last time you saw Jaws? Oh, my gosh. Bits and pieces of it recently. I just watched it again. I don't, you know, it was it's really good. It's oh, really it's a great good. movie. Without, and not a lot of special effects that they had. No. And the, the shark did look so fake. Oh, it uh, did, when from today's standards. Yeah. But it was really almost good. what you didn't see that scared you, like the dun-dun-dun, like all the music and all yes. the, what they did around it. Yeah, that opening scene. Uh-huh. And Roy Scheider. Uh, we need a bigger boat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a classic. All right. In the Marvel Cinematic Universe, what is the name of Thor's home planet? Do you keep up with these? No. Norway. <laughs> <laughs> Close, Bob. It's Asgard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you could have used a little help yeah. in the studio I, I today on that th one. You could have given me 10,000 guesses. <laughs> I could have told you it started with A and ended with D and you still wouldn't have gotten it. Well, it's funny because uh, my favorite director, Martin Scorsese, we're going to talk about his upcoming movie. But um, they are furious at him because he said like the Marvel movies and the X-Men and mm -hmm. all they're really not cinema. They're more. It's more like a theme going to a theme park. Okay. It's not a horrible, right? Insult, but they are furious. All these people that stand in front of a green screen um, are really mad. I'm like, what? First of all, he could say what he wants. Right. I'm not a huge follower of those movies. I've never Number seen one, of them. one because I just can't keep up with them anymore. Like if you, it seems like there's four that come out at one time and you have to see them all. Yeah. Or you can go to the next one and it makes no sense. Yeah, to and you. I didn't even. I have the last one I saw was Spider-Man Two. <laughs> with the actor who's now grandfather, right? <laughs> yes. And Batman. The last Batman I saw was the one with Danny DeVito. Not Danny DeVito. Yeah, he was in one of them. He played the Penguin, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. And with uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Mm-hmm. Ooh la la, playing the Catwoman. Mm-hmm. How, how much better can it get than that? <laughs> <laughs> A little trip down memory lane. Speaking of legends, legend has it that Marilyn Monroe wore nothing, to, nothing but what to bed? Fur. No. Nothing but satin? Nothing no. but perfume. Chanel number five. Yeah. A specific yeah. one. Yeah. You know who started that rumor? Chanel, Chanel number five. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I could see Hellman's. The cynic in you comes out. <laughs> Hellman's mayonnaise. Rumor has it that <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence only wears Hellman's mayonnaise to bed. <laughs> All right. Last but not least. Which New York City nightclub was originally built in 1927 as the Gallo, G-A-L-L-O, Opera House? Copacabana. 
No, I thought for sure. Studio you could, 54. Yeah, Studio 54. But that was a good guess. I didn't even think about that. Uh, um, I lived, when I worked for J.P. Morgan about 10 years ago for several years, commuting to New York, I had um, an apartment on 54th Street um, in Manhattan. Aww. And I had a studio. Did you call it Studio 54? No, I didn't think of it till my daughter mentioned it. Oh, by the way, Dad, you have a studio on 54th. That was a, that was a, a excruciating three years. I left down here mm -hmm. early Monday morning and got home Friday night. That's During the tough. financial crisis, and I was right in the middle of it, so. Oh, uh, yeah, that alone, without the commute and being away from oh, your yeah. family would like be Like, the tough. first month is great. You know, hey, I have, I have an apartment in midtown Manhattan. Uh-huh. By myself. No responsibilities during the week. No right. picking up, dropping off. It got old really quick. Oh, yeah. My husband did it for a year from Annapolis to Philadelphia, and it was no fun. Oh, yeah. It's... No fun. And that was driving, right? Mm hmm Yes. At least I had the train. Yes. Um, which, there's such a big difference because you could sleep, you could read, you mm -hmm. could work. Mm-hmm. I thought I would love it, him being gone for a year, <laughs> but yeah. it got old everything quick, too, because I had to do everything <laughs> while he was living in an apartment in Philly. <laughs> I think he might have liked it. It does. And it we're gonna, does. We're going to do this day in history. <gasps> Speaking Let's of everything getting old, Let's 32 years ago, November 1st, Robert Mumby and Cindy Mumby got married. Today's your anniversary? Oh, happy anniversary. 32 years. And it would have wow. been my parents... 72nd because they we got married on their 40th anniversary oh that's really sweet how long did you guys date before you got married five years okay was not too wasn't that popular with his father the fact oh that you we were not oh were. no they loved they okay. loved me um fooled them <laughs> sorry i didn't mean <laughs> to jump right in that direction <laughs> <laughs> but um you were living Old together. Italian family. Well, you don't have to we, share secrets. <laughs> we technically were, but we had to hide all my stuff when they came <laughs> to visit. <laughs> <laughs> well, happy anniversary. That's exciting. <laughs> it's like the toothbrush. Yeah, well, can I brush my teeth when I come to visit you? No, they'll know. <laughs> Uh, some other interesting this days in histories that I got all the plurals wrong. Um, first hydrogen bomb was detonated in 1952. Othello by William Shakespeare, uh, 1604, would debut. Oh, wow. Ebony Magazine. Oh. Uh, the first issue. What year do you think the first issue of Ebony was? would be? In the 50s? 45. Oh, okay. Because you would think that, you know, it, it was more like a product of the on you know, the growing awareness and uh, making a stand uh, for rights and, um, and, and black pride, etc. So you would think it would be later. And that was, um, it was 1945. Wow. And I've been reading a history of the early U.S. and there were some. There were free blacks 
in the 1700s that did absolutely amazing things and you wonder how the heck they did it in the face of that this withering awful headwinds that they had to face mm -hmm. it's really amazing well we have right here in this county yes um, we do um in the northern half of the county um uh, the folks that started the first african-american school mm -hmm. in in 1865 right right um um you can learn all about it up at the um at the museum um and um and the quakers did so much those are my people uh you're a quaker i am i'm descendant of quakers that settled the town i grew up in where pennsylvania oh yeah they had some guts oh yeah they they were many of the stops on the underground railroad mm -hmm. in this area mm -hmm. uh there was a lot of quakers in the northern half of this county and they uh, saved thousands and thousands of lives of mm -hmm. uh of slaves who were uh escaping to freedom mm -hmm. not escaping to freedom going to freedom right right um so oh yeah but so you so you you don't agree with fighting no okay <laughs> I, I my husband would totally disagree with that answer <laughs> but it is definitely where i get my strength my okay. inner strength and my interesting yeah yeah. Interesting. They also took a lot of risks mm -hmm. at the end of the 18th century, first half of the 19th century mm -hmm. regarding slavery. Um, okay, a few other things. The Motion Picture Academy, Motion Picture Association of America um, came out in 1968 with the ratings. Ah, 1968. Did you, remember X? Something was rated X? Uh-huh. Do you know what that rating is now? R? NC-17 is, it, is wow. what X was. Really? So, yep. Wow. So, I don't, what's NC? Is it no children I think under so. 17? Okay. Um, I have one for you. Okay. In uh, 2001, the Yankees and the Diamondbacks played game five of the World Series. Okay. On November 1st, 2001. It was the first World Series game played in November. Why? Oh. Why was that? 2001. Did it have something to do with 9-11? Mm-hmm. Um, like the season was... Pushed you know, out. The, it was... They, they sort of like... Mm -hmm. Suspended the season for a week. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And in 2003, I love this one. One of the kings of foot and mouth, foot in mouth dis disease, John what? Dean. Foot, open mouth, and so Oh, foot. I'm like, thrush? <laughs> John Dean was trying to say he, wa he wanted to win back Southern folks to be in the Democratic Party like it used to be. And he said, all of those guys with the Confederate flags in their truck... I want to be their president. <laughs> oh, way to go, Howard. <laughs> Are you not going to shout out to the Nats? I was going to do that during Single okay. Box. Okay. And we have to, I just realized we have to call we our do. wonderful Bruce. guest, Bruce. Yes. So 
So we're going to take a break, folks, and when we come back, we'll be talking with award-winning author and newspaper reporter Bruce E. Malday. Hartford County Public Library will host Dr. Mona Hanna Atisha, the 2019 One Maryland One Book author of What the Eyes Don't See, a story of crisis, resistance, and hope in an American city. On Tuesday, November the 5th at 7 p.m. at the Abington Library, the discussion will focus on Hanna Atisha's book, which chronicles her relentless pursuit to uncover the contamination of Flint, Michigan's drinking water, which would lead to her testifying in front of Congress. Her personal account reads like a scientific thriller as she vividly recounts the effects lead poisoning had on her young patients and the evidence she gathered to share with the world. This event is free and open to the public. Advanced registration at hcplonline.org is suggested. In addition, 17 book discussion programs will be held at libraries and other locations throughout Harford County through Wednesday, November the 13th. For times and locations, visit hcplonline.org or pick up a copy of Headlines and Happenings at any Harford County public Library. One Maryland, One Book is a program of Maryland Humanities and is offered in Harford County by Harford County Public Library in partnership with Harford Community College Library. Welcome back. I'm co-host Leslie Greenlee-Smith from the Harford County Public Library and I'm here with Bob Mumby and this is the Harford Edge. We're so delighted today to have Bruce E. Malday on the line with us. Bruce is an award-winning author and newspaper reporter. He's authored 20 books on history, sports, business, and true crime. Malday has appeared on the Discovery ID channel, Real IZ Network, C-SPAN, the Pennsylvania Cable, New- Cable Network, Hollywood and Beyond, What You Got, Journey into the Civil War, Chronicles of the American Civil War, and television shows. You're a star, Bruce. Hey, thank you, Leslie. I, I don't know about that, but uh, every time somebody reads my resume, I think, boy, I must be old. <laughs> well, I, I, it's, I've always admired, jealously admired, someone who could decide, I'm going to write this book um, and has the fortitude to, uh, to sit down and, um, and go through it. Bob, sometimes it gets to be very painful, and I get about three-quarters of the way through the book, and I, I'll tell myself I'll never do it again, but you know, I do. Which, uh, by the way, before we get to, down to business, what's your favorite part of writing a book, starting it or researching it, starting it, or finishing it? Um, you know, there's so many different aspects. You know, getting that initial idea, wow, that's a book, and, and doing the research and talking with publishers, and indeed they're interested, that, that's all exciting. Getting a first draft is pretty pretty nice to get done. I'll tell you, the least favorite is about the 14th rewrite. And, you know, the, the publisher is asking, where did you get that quote? Are you sure? And, and everything that's very essential, but that gets a little old. But really, my where I really enjoy is when I get a chance to go out and talk to people about the book itself. And, of course, I'm coming up at the Harford County uh, Library coming up later in November, and I really enjoy talking with people because I learn things from the audience. Yeah, we can't wait. That's November 20th, Wednesday, um, at the Bel Air Library from uh, at 6.30 yeah. p.m. So tell us uh, uh, about, uh, about Bruce. Uh, where, uh, where are you from? Um, I, you know, I lived most of my life in Chester County. I'm now in Connecticut, but um, 
I, I grew up in Chester County, right outside of Philadelphia, um, not too far from where you guys are. And people ask where I got started in all this, and I remember very specifically that when I was about 12 or 13, my grandmother gave me some newspaper clippings from the Civil War written by my great-great-great-grandfather. I think I got the greats right. And he was in the 61st New York and worked for the old New York Sunday Mercury, so that's my interest in history, Civil War, writing, newspapers came about. Uh, spent most of my early career being a newspaper reporter, covered the courthouse, a lot of trials, and that's uh, part of what we're going to be talking about at the library talk with the, the stealing of the wife painting. And I became, I rose to managing editor, but you know, I, I much rather liked writing and rather than managing reporters, which were difficult. You know, they talk about herding cats and. I think newspapers are just as difficult. And in 97, I started my own company, basically so I could be my own boss and pick what uh, book projects I want to do, and it's worked out just fine. So I've had a lifetime of writing, and it comes you know, in my heritage, and uh, I've enjoyed doing it. And that's www.mowday.com. Yes, that's my website, and it's all the books up there and a little bit about me and my company, which does uh, different kind of uh, media relations, public relations for, for nonprofits, for-profits, people, whatever. And I help other authors kind of navigate through the publishing world. Um, it, it has changed so much in the last few years and is constantly changing from – you know, the, the demise or at least the lessening of the traditional publishers. And there's so many ways to get your book published, but they're not all good ways. Yeah, I can imagine just uh, as in uh, the music industry or anything uh, that's creative. Um, and often, uh, if not for folks who have the, uh, the strength to make their own way i'm sure a lot of folks are forced to go through um people that take a, a little too much meat off the bone on the way through the process <laughs> and there you know it's too bad with the, in the publishing world there's companies out there that say they will help their authors get published and have you know gigantic book sales but you know when you really look into it a lot of those companies are really interested in making money off the authors and they don't really doesn't really generate into that many sales, and certainly not enough sales to cover the costs of that company. So let us talk. To, let us talk about this fascinating subject. This um, uh, the book is called "Stealing Wyeth." Um, it's about the actual theft of fifteen paintings from the Wyeth estate, right up in uh, Chadford. Chadford, Pennsylvania. Yep. Just over the line from Delaware. Yeah, mm -hmm. I've been there. Now, Maybe where to the museum. is that near? Um, uh, uh, I can't. Uh, is it near Winterthur? It is near Winterthur. It's right down the road from Longwood Gardens. Um, There's a whole. Right, right. The Brandywine River Museum is right there. It's a gorgeous part of, part mm -hmm. of the country. Uh, so many other things to see, and the wife, Andy wife, of course, if anybody saw the PBS American Master Series, uh, I guess almost a year ago now, they really highlighted his life. He was probably the 
one of the best known Absolutely. artists in the 20th century. You know, at a young age, he had his private shows in New York City. Um, a lot of people remember the Helga series that he did. Um, his father was N.C. Wyeth, one of the first painters in the Brandywine School of Art and, and studied under the famous Howard Pyle. Uh, and his son, Jamie, now is a you know, really famous and, and great artist in his own right. So I had a chance to kind of delve into that. And, and luckily, I, I went to Brandywine River Museum since it was real close to where mm-hmm. I lived and worked. And I tell people, when I had a bad day, that's where I went. And oh, I'd wander around you. those those you know, hallways. And those, you know, some of those paintings by all three members of the family, just, you know, they were like mm-hmm. old friends after a while. And it was mm-hmm. very soothing and comforting. Mm-hmm. So that's where it took place. And I was a newspaper reporter, and I covered the courthouse, and uh, covered major trials and major crimes for the for the Westchester PA uh, newspaper, and I was there when uh, the story took place where some crooks broke into Andy Weiss' home, not the museum, but his home, uh, called the Mill, pretty close to to the museum. And one night they took out 15 paintings, seven by Andy Weiss, uh, six by Jamie, and then two other by other artists. So I, I have to just cut to one question that, uh, yeah. that crosses everyone's mind. What do these crooks think they're going to do with the paintings? <laughs> it's like the, the guy who stole the Mo, Mona Lisa, right. other than putting it in his basement and right. quietly enjoying it with a very small, small circle of people, right. do you really think well, he's going to put it on eBay? Well, you kind of hit the whole problem with this this group of criminals. After the theft, uh, Andy Wyeth was quoted as saying, you know, these guys are very good crooks, but they're awful art thieves. Because (laughs) indeed, you have to almost, you have to have a buyer ahead of time saying, you know, I want that Wyeth painting, go steal for me, I'll give you money. And then he indeed goes down and puts it in, you know, a private view where only he can see it. Um, those uh, crooks walked out with millions and millions of dollars worth of paintings, and they had no place to, to sell them. Um, there was one one person that went in and, and bought two of them, and he was a local mushroom grower, and that's the area of Kennett Square and yeah. the mushroom capital of the world, and he had more money than what he knew to do, uh, to do with and knew some of the criminals, and he actually bought several of them. Um, he went to jail for, for doing so. Probably because he was eating his own crops. He had a special because section. He, they couldn't walk into a museum and try to sell it or an auction house to try to sell it and, you know, before eBay. But if they still had them, they, they couldn't do that because everybody knew, knew how famous they were. And within 48 hours of the theft, it was broadcast on national TV and, and all the big newspapers and local newspapers, which paintings they were, and they had photographs of all of them. Now, um Talk to us about, uh, as you said, uh, you know, they were great criminals, but uh, not um, good art thieves. Uh, it had to have been hard, or was it that hard? What was the, What is the security like in, a, in someone like an estate uh, that has I, so much I, I value? I tell you, Bob, you, you've hit in a couple really the key issues right away. Um, the criminals thought, Hey, and this all started with one criminal who was a member of the Johnston gang. 
uh, and the Johnson gang with three brothers and a bunch of other people who were who were good thieves and they would steal cars and tractors and construction equipment and anything you they you, you wanted them to steal and they would steal to order for you and they were good thieves and they knew how to get rid of it but uh, three of the brothers started killing witnesses including members of their own gang and uh, members of their own family to stay out of prison it didn't help they all went to jail and one of the criminals who was involved in the theft but the, the murder is a guy named Benny LaCourt. And Benny, pretty smart guy, he was actually a, listen to this for, for a resume, he was a teacher, a chiropractor, a barber, and a thief. That's a pretty good resume to have. And so he wasn't a dummy, and he was reading the paper in the New York Times one day, and he saw one of the wife's originals went for most of a million bucks, and that was, you know, in the 1980s, and he told his cohorts, got plenty of originals here, wife lives here, let's go steal one, that'll be our retirement plan, and they thought, as you did, you know, that must be a great security, so um, they found the a guy who was an expert in burglar alarms, during the day he had his own business installing burglar alarms, and he uses that expertise at night to break into places. And they brought him up from Tennessee and said, help us break into the Wyeth. So they were really prepared to face a, a monumental alarm system. But uh, when they got into the, the place, uh, and they, they scattered around, and they went up to the second floor window, and they were worried about pressure um, plates and, and alarms, and the guy was very careful, and when he got in, he discovered the alarm was not set, turned on at all. Oh, my word. So, so it wasn't uh, like was Tom Cruise. Open, so they just took the 15 paintings out. Wow. The... Um, the official story afterward was that the alarm system malfunctioned, but that wasn't the real story. The real story was Andy Weth was your typical, I, I think, painter, artist, kind of lost in his own world. Yeah. He was 100% about painting and people and really an interesting character. And, um, you know, alarm systems and security codes were not not on the top of his mind. So every time he walked into the granary, and that was the outbuilding where the theft take place, he'd set off the alarm. His wife, Betsy, who used the that building as her office, uh, would get very tired of it, and the alarm's going off, so the solution was not to set the alarm. So the alarm wasn't even set that day. So not Tom Cruise dangling from the rope uh, and <laughs> right, hoping right. he doesn't... Right, Tom Cruise-esque um, kind of coming down. But uh, you can bet the day after that security increased you know, exponentially, um, and there's no way anybody else was going to get in after that day. So, and you mentioned uh, that it was gamblers, drug dealers, and murderers. Tell, and you've mentioned a little about the perpetrators. Tell us some more about this gang uh, of yeah. It, it was almost like the gang couldn't shoot straight. You know, besides the cat burglar who admitted like fourteen hundred crimes. His career after he brought brought to justice after the the feds and the state police arrested him on this crime, you know he, he was there and he, he trained and you know he was in shape. He said you never know when you had to outrun a dog or a policeman and he was always armed and you know he took the craft very very special you know, very seriously and he was ready for it. Uh, talk a little bit about Lacourt who 
you know, a little bit of everything. Um, the getaway driver was a guy named Franny Matherly, and his whole family were involved in, in crimes. His sister used to like to shoplift um, sunglasses. And when the feds did one raid, they said they found a thousand pairs of sunglasses just you know, sitting around. But Franny was very good. He had contacts in New York City and Philadelphia, elsewhere. He knew some of the mob people. And if something of value was stolen in Chester County in the, you know, the, the 70s, 80s, 90s, it probably went through Franny's hands at, at some point because he could get rid of it at a pretty good price. Um, his brothers were again thieves, and his nephews kind of. Uh, one of his brothers beat up his son, Franny's nephew, so bad he put him in the hospital. And that left, led to a little bit of crack in the case. When the criminals discovered they could not get rid of the paintings, they, they had to do something with them. And the paintings went all around the country. They were buried in the back of cars, derelict cars, they were put in plastic bags and buried, and you know, they were afraid the police were going to catch up with them. And uh, they decided to uh, put them to some use, and uh, if you had a gambling debt, they would just trade it to, to the gambler and to pay off the debts. And there was one story I had heard for years, but I hadn't been able to get it verified, that one of the cr criminals one day needed a ride to the Philadelphia airport, and we're only talking 30 or 35 miles away, and this was before Uber, and they offered somebody to uh, give them a wife if they would take them to the airport. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, I don't think you're going to say, well, you know, I'm busy. You know, right. I don't have right. time to drive you for a half hour. So they did all this, and one, one of the, two of the favorite characters, and maybe it's a little bit because their name was Vinny the Meat Man Perry and his pal Cadillac Joe. Vinny was called the Meat Man because he actually had two meatpacking companies. And about this time, he was getting really in trouble with the feds because he was selling bad painted meats to schools and military bases and universities and, and government entities, and the feds were closing in. Vinny was also a gambler, so he knew what was going on in the area, and the, the Philadelphia mob was pressuring him to... They come under their thumb, and then he and his partner, Cadillac Joe, didn't want to go to prison, and they knew the things were out there in the underworld, and they actually had been offered uh, an opportunity to to purchase them. He didn't want to do that, but he had the great idea that if he got the paintings back, he could turn them in and get a lesser sentence or no sentence on it. And the feds pretty much said, Nip, we didn't, we're not going for that. Um, I had Two really good sources in the U.S. Attorney's Office, the FBI agent David Richard did a great job of his own, along with State Policeman Tommy Cloud, and then the two assistant U.S. Attorneys um, who prosecuted cases also did the, uh, the, the foreword to the book. So that's where this information, and they basically said, no, we're not buying them back, and they questioned the wife not to buy them back. And they, they told Vinny, he said, well, if you want to... Get them and turn them in. You can always tell the judge that you're a good citizen, and that's what he finally did. He gathered them all up. But then he said that, you know, I think I want to keep one back because after things settle, then I can sell the one painting I kept back and and make some money. So you know, they were always conniving out there. Um, eventually, not too long afterwards, uh, Vinny, who was also a drug dealer, was arrested and convicted of killing a federal judge 
drug informant, uh, kind of inter- interesting and kind of related to, uh, to this whole investigation going on. This, uh, the book, besides the, the paintings of the famous wife paintings and the theft of the paintings, it was so much more, a lot of other crimes involved that were, were solved and police were kept busy for years and years and years tracking down all the leads. They did have one lead that they couldn't quite um, do, apprehend criminals because the company involved didn't think anything was going on. And that was the Johnson Matthey um, company that dealt in precious metals including platinum. It was worth, uh, I think, 15 or 1600 bucks an ounce at that point. And through their investigation, they heard that some of this platinum was being taken out of the company. And when they went to Johnson Matthew, they said, oh, no, no, we have great security here. Nobody takes out anything. And uh, it was until about a decade later that they learned they were wrong and that information was correct. While they uh, checked everybody going in and out, they didn't check all the janitors, uh, grooms, and, and push carts. And what they were doing was hollowing out uh, parts of the brooms and putting the precious metal in there, and that wasn't checked, so they walked out with it that wow. way. But that wasn't uh, kind of soft uh, about a decade after the wife cases. So you had Sasbury John, who was a you know, gambler. He got away, probably made some money on it, and... You know, Vinny, the meat man, ended up in prison and died there, and so did Cadillac Joe, who ended up and spent some time in prison. So there's a whole cast of characters that, uh, that kind of runs through the book. So Vinny is committing murders and poisoning children with tainted meat. He yeah. Did he believe it was going to be a ses- successful case he was going to make with the judge, <laughs> that he, yeah, he was a I good mean, citizen? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, and actually, uh, right before um, I had my talk at Hartford, I'm going to do a, a an event at the Delaware County Bar Association with uh, with Vinny's uh, lawyer. So that that should be interesting. I'm going to look for it. But no, Vinny, Vinny did, of course, didn't want to go to prison, and um, he thought he was looking any which way to make money and stay out of prison. He's a typical criminal. Have you? Uh, I'm sure. Um... Uh, the upcoming movie uh, uh, by Scorsese, uh, The Irishman, is of interest to you because a lot yeah, of it's... Yeah, it is, because there's another connection between them and the Johnson gang. So, yeah, I'm looking oh, wow. forward. Um, yeah, I didn't check to see it, but I, I think it's out this month. It's out, it's out today, but only in New York and L.A. <laughs> ah, and it's going to go to uh, Netflix? It's going to Netflix mm-hmm. in three weeks. Three weeks. Okay. Three and a half weeks, and it's going to be very limited theatrical release. Yeah, and I, I yep. wanted to now, talk to you about, about that. it, and with that connection, I really want to see it. Yeah, uh, because they have one where the uh, the lawyer for um, <clears throat> for Frank Sheeran is saying, um, "I, you know, I don't want to know if you did it." And yep. and well, that's, that's pretty typical. You know, attorneys if they know that their, their guy did it, that really kind of limits traveling put on the defense but but then the, the the lawyer who's played by the the, the um the actor in the sitcom ray uh ray Leo, uh, uh everybody loves raymond that yes guy? yeah they, and de niro is frank sheeran and <clears throat> he said i know i don't want to know you can't tell me i don't want to know but he goes but and then de niro, de niro said 
Well, you want to know if I did it? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that was a, the Philly mob, Russell Buffalino. And, uh, that... Yes, it was. It's all right around here, Wilmington, Philadelphia. I, I recommend to everyone, I Heard it's You Paint right. Houses. Uh-huh. Yes, the, the book. Um, and... Uh, I won't spoil it for anybody, but it's based on that book. And, uh, um, and of course, the, that's a reference to what they used to call the hitman as the, the, the painters or something. Yeah, well, because if they, when they rope someone out, it splattered the walls. Yep, uh... had paint it. And then Frank Sheeran said also, I do my own carpentry too, means, which means he gets rid of the body also. <laughs> wow. <laughs> It, it was an interesting time. I was wondering if it's um, if they're as count colorful now as they were back in the. That's 70s. what I was just wondering. Uh, and does it happen in Connecticut where you are now? You know. Uh, you, you know, we got a few things going on. I, I come up here, and I've only been up here for a few months, and there's a, there's a missing woman's case that her husband and girlfriend. Apparently. Oh yeah, I've been watching. Yep, that. that that's just up the road in New Kingdom from where I am, oh, wow. and there's some other things. And one of the most hor- horrible crimes in recent memory uh, that um, where was that? It was in um, uh, was it Waterbury? The this, these two animals broke into a house and yeah, uh, yes, with the family. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I don't think any you know part of the country is kind of immune to this. There's bad people out there it's all true. over the place. Um, I gave a talk on the wife and, and my Johnson book recently, and the people in Chester County said, oh, we always thought Chester County was such a nice, quiet place. Well, no. <laughs> I remember when I was a newspaper reporter, I used to cover a murder trial, and there were, there were really some gruesome ones, but it seemed like once a month. Well, it's a, certainly a hotbed of activity, actually going back to the Revolutionary War. Uh, Battle of Brandywine actually did a book September the 11th, 1777, uh, the date of the Battle of the Brandywine. Uh, and that, that's and, when Washington got the bad intel, and he was told the British couldn't cross. Uh, the first crossing they could make was 14 miles to the north, and yep. <laughs> he didn't know about the one right in front of him. Pretty much, you know, it's it very much bad information. The British had better intelligence than Washington did. And it was one thing I couldn't find, I still can't. There, there was a meeting with the generals and some locals, and I don't know who the locals were, and gave them exactly that information, you know, that Hal and Cornwallis could not outflank them. But uh, they, Hal and Cornwallis indeed had a, a loyalist who took them through two fords and got them up on uh, near, uh, in, waiting back of near the Birmingham Meeting House, and almost ended the the American Army and, and our whole nation. And there was a couple of British officers that basically were they had another day or hour of daylight that wouldn't have been a Washington's Army left. Wow. So while we're on that, tell us about some of your other. Um, first of all, tell us uh, how can folks get your book and. Uh, before you answer that, I would like to say I was reading some of the reviews, and one review said, um, sure, it's a great idea, and uh, it's very interesting, but, and I'm saying, what? And he's, but, but Bruce has managed to pull it off with exactly what he intended to do, and uh, it started out like, yeah, but. Yeah, In other words, a lot of people have great ideas, but this guy followed it through. 
Bob, let me get a little bit of my philosophy of writing. I'm here to tell a story. I'm going to research the heck out of a – I want to make sure I have my facts right. But then I'm not, you know, like a Ph.D. historian that will put down everything and footnote everything. And, you know, when my Battle of the Brandywine book came out, somebody said, well, you didn't tell us that the 61st foot moved seven inches to the left at 2.42 p.m. I said, no, nor do I care, and I don't think the readers would care. But they, they'll want to know how close the Washington almost lost his lives, we almost lost our nation. And, you know, I am pretty much, you know, I, I tell the story, and I'm so glad when people give me those reviews back. And, and, you know, a lot of times I'll get notes saying, I haven't read a book in years, but, you know, I couldn't put yours down. And, and I think part of it is because, you know, I, I'm trying to tell the story to the reader and keep it moving and, and, and being totally factual. Um, most of my books are, you can get through Barnes & Noble and Amazon. I have different publishers, so they almost all use Amazon's up there. Uh, if anybody wants a personalized con, you know, copy, and I, I usually have most of them around that, uh, that I, I can sell here, um, and I'll, I'll sign it and personalize it wherever they want. They can contact me. My email is my last name, M-O-W-D-A-Y at M-O-W-D-A-Y dot com, and you can get me through my website, which is, as you mentioned, www.mowdaycom and as Leslie knows, I'm, you know, I love to talk at libraries and historical yeah. groups. And I have a Civil War roundtable coming up to, at a lunch meeting in Delaware and a bunch of historical societies. So, I, as I said, one of my favorite things is talking about the books and the history. So, give me a call if I can get you on the schedule. I will. And the good uh, best way to remember Bruce's name is, what do you get when you set the clocks forward in this in uh in the spring, you get Mo Day. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. I officially signed the rights of it over to you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Well, that's uh, we do have another minute with you, and I'd, I'd love you. Uh, okay. First of all, give us a, a quick rundown of your other topics that your other books are on. We'd love yeah, to. Yeah, I've done, actually done. Um, I have my fourth Civil War book. Actually, will be out. So, unless we keep it in mind, coming out within, uh, I'm hoping another couple months with Regent Press out of California, and it's the third one on Gettysburg. So, I'm putting together a, a little talk on three views of Gettysburg. Never thought I would do a book on Gettysburg. There's millions of books on Gettysburg. I was up there a lot. My rel- I had a relative that was wounded in the wheat field. And one day, first book I figured out, I did not know much about the Union uh, soldiers that beat back Pickett's Charge. All the other books were written from the Southern perspective. So I called my publisher and said, let's do one on the North. From that, I met Craig Caba, who is, who is the curator of the largest private collection of artifacts from Gettysburg. He allowed some of the artifacts to be photographed for illustrations in that book, and he loved get, Pickett's Church. He said, I've always wanted to do a book on the work family and the whole work collection. We did that in it. In that collection, many wonderful pieces, including the pay, podium that Lincoln used in the Gettysburg Address. I had a chance to stand behind that podium and do four scores wow. seven years ago. And you're wow. interested in history. It just sent chills up your 
up your spine. And um, the third one is actually connected with the Wyeth book. Uh, Carl Kerner, great painter. He is the only person ever to be taught by Andy Wyeth and Wyeth's sister Caroline personally. Uh, Carl's relatives were used as models by Andy Wyeth over the years on his Kerner farm. It's a big connection. Carl's a good friend. A couple of years ago, he said, let's go back to Gettysburg. Uh, show me the places that mean something special to you. I said, sure. I wasn't quite sure what Carl had in mind, but his mind was he wanted to do a series of paintings, and he has done these 20 paintings of Gettysburg today. It's not about reenactors. It's not about monuments. I think there's one of each in, you know, in two different paintings. But it's, and he asked me to do the essays on historically what happened at these points, why they're important, what it is today, and it's Carl's kind of feeling, which is very much Wyeth-esque. It's called Emotional Gettysburg, and it is just a wonderful book. I talked with the publisher and printer yesterday, and we should have the books in hand by Thanksgiving or so. So I had those three books. first book I did was on Fort Delaware. Again, I was in Fort Delaware. It's an interesting place. What happened here, there's nothing written. So that led to books. Books usually tell me, you know, rape me, rape me, and that was certainly that one. I did a book on Richie Ashburn, just out of the blue. I met the guy who helped Richie get into the Hall of Fame. And I started off my career many, many years ago as a sports writer, so I couldn't pass that up. Uh, Love good stories of people. Jim Hur, Hur's food, Hur's potato chips. A wonderful all-American success story. No high school education. Didn't know anything about potato chips. Borrowed 1750 bucks, And from that, in the late 40s, it's now one of the largest private or independent snack food companies in the United States. And he's a wonderful guy who just lived his life the way, you know, he, I, he's a very modest guy. I didn't think he was going to talk to me. We've he done said, that you know, too. I think I do have a message. <laughs> and you, know, you treat people you want to, the way you want to be treated. And uh, yeah. if you give your word, you keep it. Yeah. And Richie Ashburn was a Philly. <clears throat> yes, he was. For mainly most of his career, he played a couple years with the Cubs towards the end, and he was an original New York Met. Actually, was the MVP of that first Met team, and he was fond of saying, "I was the best t- person player on the worst team in baseball history." Forty and one hundred forty wins, one hundred twenty losses. Yep. I have the misfortune of being a Met fan. <laughs> I was going to say, oh, you have uh, a Met fan on the And, you know, um, the, of course, the Mets won back the next year, and he said he had such an awful experience. He said, no, I think I'll run for Congress instead. <laughs> You're well- and that was his original plan, and the Phillies needed a broadcaster, and they taught him the coming down to spring training. Then had a long career as a broadcaster. Well, you're, you're welcome for Tug McGraw and Lenny Dykstra. I think we got Juan Samuel out of that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Juan, Juan was an interesting player. Yeah, well, it was quite interesting. But I remember, uh, I remember everything from 1968 to 78 no, in baseball. I, I remember nothing from uh, 1964, I can tell you that. When the Phillies' great collapse. Yes, uh, and the Cardinals uh, went on yep. to uh, beat the Yankees when in the World were, Series, yep. which got Yogi Berra fired oh <laughs> as a manager. <laughs> McCarver's Grand Slam. Yep. <clears throat> we could go on. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> Are you sure? 
<laughs> I had a quick question for you about stealing um, Wyatt. How yeah. long did it take from when the paintings were stolen till the last trial? That's a good question. Like, was it a seven-year period? Was it two months? To the trial? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, the, the, the paintings were recovered within a year. Okay. As the legal process was another year, year and a half. Uh, if for the cases specifically on the uh, on the theft, but the, like I said, kind of the ripple effect of other crimes went years and years. But probably, you know, the theft itself was two years max. Wow. Because it sounds like yeah, they really like traveled. <laughs> where things are kind of, you know, wrapped up in a half hour, an hour. It doesn't happen. Right. Okay. And we do want to have another show because when you yes. said he'd rather run for Congress... <laughs> uh, his one of his teammates did run for the Senate and won and became a senator in Kentucky. Who also um, guy named uh, Bunning who pitched the perfect game against your favorite <laughs> against my favorite team on, on Father's, Father's Day. Day. <laughs> you two sound like you should be Facebook friends. <laughs> there you go. Okay, I well, great uh, request there, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll I'll see you. We'll start that. Uh, continue the conversation after your. Uh, uh, your uh, your session, uh, Stealing of the Wyeth Paintings, Wednesday, November 20th at 6.30 at the Bel Air Library. Yep, and uh, I hope will be I hope everybody can there. come out and join us. It should be fun. Yep, I will definitely be there. Good. Very excited. Okay, thanks again, Bruce. Really great Thank chat. You. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you. Take care. Right. Bye. Bye. WAMD Aberdeen. I love someone who is not only has the interest in these things, but then is able to put in the time and yes, and made it happen. Yeah. It's fantastic. But fantastic. we will be talking about Mets and Philly for quite a while. <laughs> it's funny when he said, Richie Ashburn said, I'd rather run for Congress. Uh -huh. His teammate did, did and became a Senator <laughs> for Kentucky. And Jim you guys Bunning. both knew that. That's what's hilarious to me because <laughs> I zoned out. I'm not going to lie. Started making a grocery list in my head. <laughs> No, I did not. Yes. Popcorn. It is. Yes. Popcorn, popcorn. Okay. And speaking of entertainment and popcorn, and uh, what, what do you guys got going on at the oh library, you folks? Uh, well, it's just amazing. <laughs> it uh, has been a crazy couple weeks leading up to the event of the season in Hartford County, the um, Hartford County Public Library Foundation evening in the Stacks Gala is tomorrow night yay at our abingdon library so we are super excited about that um oh that's right we're going to see the new library too yes 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 it's going to be a wonderful wonderful event so can't wait to see everybody there and then you know we're going to take one or two days to breathe and then we're going to have our one maryland one book event also at abingdon on tuesday november 5th from 7 to 8.30. And this is a really, um, if you're not familiar with One Maryland, One Book, it's a partnership with Maryland Humanities. Andrea um, Lewis. Yes, sir. An all-star. Um, and um, <clears throat> there is a lot of components to the One Maryland, One Book. We um, have book discussions. So we had 17 book discussions in all of our branches over the last couple of months. We have one more left at our Darlington branch. All the other ones are completed. Um, and then we do something called the Wandering Books, where we take a, 
a certain number of books and we put them out in the community like we um, worked with Hartford County Transit and we put some on a bus we put them in cafes we put them at the MBA and people can read them there's a little label on the inside and you read it and then you pass it along to someone else so that was something exciting that we do and you can track your books on Facebook at Maryland Humanities Dot com and then um, kind of the crowning of the One Maryland One book is the author tour and we were selected again this year to be a stop on the author tour and that's Tuesday November 5th again at our Abingdon Library from 7 to 8 30 and the book this year is um, What the Eyes Don't See a Story of Crisis, Resistance and Hope in an American City and it's by Dr. Mona Hannah Atisha She's actually a physician, a scientist, and a public health activist. And um, she really had a, kind of a relentless pursuit to uncover all of the contamination of Flint, Michigan's drinking water. Um, she testified in front of Congress. Um, and really what it started from is she was a pediatrician and she saw in her young patients the evidence of lead poisoning. And she was really the one that kind of uncovered all this horrible um, cover-up that was going on in Flint, Michigan. And now I see it's happening in other cities around the country. So it's going to be a really amazing event. It's free and open to the public. Um, registration is suggested at hcplonline.org. And we hope to see you there. Um, we're going to have books for sale that night that you can buy. And she will sign them for you. And you can have your picture taken with her. So... Should be a really gripping what, um, event. What are, tell us the date and the place and time again. It's at our Abingdon Library on Tuesday, November 5th from 7 to 8.30. Okay. And really a harbinger of, I think, what we're going to see a lot and a lot more, as you said, um, the underinvestment in our infrastructures in mm -hmm. our older uh, cities in the northeast and north central mm -hmm. um, uh, is going to come home. Is coming home to roost daily. We yeah. see it even in Baltimore with the the if the water and the sewer infrastructure, yeah. and the railroad tunnels, and um, there's going to be a lot more of that. So, thank God, because uh, you know the cities and the city governments and the county governments, they don't. They're much happier if this is just swept under the rug, but. People are dying, and so right. And now there's a whole generation of children who have these health issues that will be with them for the rest of their lives, and it's it's devastating and um, horrible for those families. And really hard uh, to be that voice mm -hmm. uh, uh, when uh, trying to expose something like this when it makes most everyone in power look really bad. Right. Right. So hats um, so off to God her and hats off to Maryland Humanities for, um, you know, this wonderful program and Hartford County Public Library loves partnering with them every year on One Maryland, One Book. So we'll see everyone Saturday at the gala and then Tuesday at the One Maryland, One Book. And we're going to finish... Um, with a new segment, I haven't told Leslie about it yet. I'm j I'm just gonna describe for you that Bob pulled out a, an old volume of a book that and, was held together with a rubber band. And it's called <laughs> the Book of Questions, and some very interesting questions. Now, how long have you had this book? Oh, a long time. Thirty years. Okay. Um, 
And I'm going to ask Leslie uh, one of these questions. Okay. Some of them are really tough. Oh, gosh. Uh, um, for instance, how many times during the day do you look at yourself in the mirror? Definitely when I'm doing my makeup. Definitely okay. when I go in, when I'm brushing my teeth. Probably 10, 15. Do you look at yourself in the store window when you're walking by? I do. Okay. Everybody does that. Uh -huh. If they say they uh -huh. don't, they're do. a liar. And I go, girl, your hair is swaying today. <laughs> or, oh my God, what possessed you? <laughs> now this one seems easy, but I don't know. Would you give up half of what you now own? For a pill that would permanently change you so that one hour of sleep each day would fully refresh you. Yes. Yeah. In a heartbeat. Yeah, jeez. No, I would just give up half of what I own because I have too much stuff. That's like one of my goals in 2020 is to declutter. Last one. Your house containing everything you own catches fire. After saving your loved ones and your pets and your photographs. Mm-hmm. You have time to safely make a final dash into the house. What would you grab? My computer. That's sad, though, isn't it? It is. But it has all of our pertinent information in one place. Okay. Like, back in the day, I would have said my files, you know, because, honestly, I can't tell you the last time I printed out a picture. They're all just sitting on my computer. Yeah. Well, you have it backed up to the cloud, though, right? Yeah. Okay. Plus, I have a, an external hard drive. Like, okay. we have it a couple different places. Okay, so but you, pictures is dated in that because people don't print them out right. anymore. But I do have a box of pictures that were like my great-grandmother's, my great-grandfather's. Well, um, I'm in commercial real estate, and I'm helping a client relocate from Towson to Harford County. And he's a financial manager. Mm -hmm. And we were going over plans for the build-out of an office uh he was going to buy an office, a small office building. And we're looking at the plans, and he's 33. Okay. So I said, well, what about the copy room? He goes, why do I need a copy room? <laughs> <laughs> Old man. <laughs> it was like, it was far, why would I need a whole room for a copier? Because I said so, that's why. He's also he's he's a, he's an author as well. He's uh, and he's writing a, a a children's book. He's written oh, wow. books about retirement too. Okay. But and he said his toughest thing was the dad is in the den reading, mm -hmm. and the line is there was this noise. Dad put down his what and got up to investigate. He said I can't figure out whether. The dad puts down a newspaper, uh, iPad or a book. his phone, or mm -hmm. an, an iPad. Yeah. But it's along the lines of, why would I need a copy room? Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's an eye-opening experience. Indeed. Indeed. All righty. Well, That's guys, quite enough for today. I think it was an awesome show. Um, Bruce, thank you for spending the morning with us. That's all the time we have for the Hartford Edge. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we'll talk with you next week.